Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right. Our theme for this year is Breakthrough, and today is week number 243 of the series, Uh, so the review will be all we have time for today. Uh, But over the last several weeks, we've spent time talking about Breakthrough from a lot of different angles. Um, We started the series with sort of a prayer. It was a cry of the heart saying, Jesus, I need a breakthrough. So then we talked about how um, breakthrough comes and begins with a clear word from God. We can't just be out here crying and praying and claiming territory that God never intended for us. We need a word from him because that's not how breakthrough works. Breakthrough almost always involves battle. And if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to get sucked up into battles that God never called us to fight. And and that's when we become frustrated that the breakthrough we're seeking just always remains elusive because we're not supposed to be in some battles. Uh, We also talked about being breakthrough pioneers. And sometimes the reason that breakthrough is so difficult is because we're pioneering breakthrough. We're going places that no one in our family has ever gone before. We're breaking familial traditions. We're breaking generational curses and negative genetic tendencies. We're fighting for those that are coming behind us. We're fighting for sons and daughters, fighting for grandsons and granddaughters. Because anytime you pioneer something, it's much harder on the front of you, on the front end. So those of you that are first generation Christ followers, don't give up when it gets difficult. Just hold on because the trails that you blaze, the roads that you pave will make it easier to encounter Jesus for those who are following behind you. And we also talked about preparing for breakthrough because breakthrough doesn't happen by accident. There's intentionality and preparation involved. And one of the ways that we prepare for breakthrough is by consecrating our lives to the Lord, by cutting away those things which are unnecessary. And finally, we talked about the pursuit of breakthrough, that the pursuit of breakthrough is really the pursuit of Jesus. But the good news is he's also pursuing us. He wants us to break through more than we want to break through. That was a quick recap of the last 200 weeks. Today, I want to share a message called Speak the Breakthrough. And I'll go ahead and give you the end game of the message. I'm going to be calling us today as a church to a fast. And so for those that already have lunch plans, I am very sorry. (laughs) You probably need to cancel those. Uh, For those that are new, that was a joke. I know it was a bad one. Uh, I told you they would get worse, not better. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the fast that I'm calling us to isn't about food or drinks. But I think, and if you've ever fasted food and drink, that can be difficult. I think what I'm going to ask us to do could even be more difficult than that. And I'm calling us to a negativity fast. Uh, Katie and I began working on this early in the week, and I can tell you that it's very challenging. Especially every time I talk, she's like, you're being negative, you're being negative. (laughs) I'm about to negatively kick you out of this car. One more. You're driving negatively. (laughs) 
But when you take, begin to take intentional inventory of the words that you're speaking, you quickly realize that you complain more than you think you do. And if you decide to stop all the negativity, suddenly you don't have much to say. <laughs> I mean, what did your parents tell you, right? If you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. All right, let's go. Numbers chapter 13, we see one of the most famous passages of Scripture regarding complaining and the use of negative words. For some of you, this will be a review because you've heard this passage many times. For some of you, others, it will be the first time you've heard this story. But for all of us, no matter where you are, it should serve as a reminder to keep our words in check, to stop the negativity. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more than normal today. Uh, because it's very important that we understand the context of what's coming. So I'm going to read a lot, but I'm only going to drill down on just a couple of verses. Uh, we're going to read just a few passages. In Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. We're going to stay in the same chapter and drop to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in there or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for first ripe grapes. And so they went and they explored the land from the desert of Zen as far as Rehob toward Libo Hamath. And they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahamen, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So these grapes are in first, you know, it's, it's the first part of the season for them. And they're so big. Right. This cluster of grapes is so big that two dudes are carrying it on a pole in between them. We're not talking about a little bag of grapes like you buy at Walmart. We're talking like in my mind, I imagine they're like as big as plums. Right. They're just, you know, the big heavy things. This is a big deal that they're doing. So they come back at verse 26. It says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadash in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We, they start off good. We went into the land to which you send us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. Look at this, they're saying. This is amazing. The land that God said he would give us is really flowing with milk and honey. But, but the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. That's where the giants like Goliath and those stories come from, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Now, one more passage. I'm going to keep going into Numbers chapter 14. That night, all of the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and it and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them? I will strike them down with the plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. God is done. I'm done with your complaining. I'm done with your grumbling. I'm done with you not believing in me. After everything I've done for you, this is how you're going to treat me. And he says to Moses, I'm going to kill them all and I'm going to restart with you. And then Moses stands between the people and between God. This is an example of covenant. We're not going to talk about that today, but that's what it is. It's an example of a covenant that God made with his people. And Moses said, you can't do that because if you do, all of the people, the Egyptians and everybody will hear that you, you didn't come through. You didn't do what you said you could do. You can't. You can't start with them. So verse 26, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of those grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. I'm almost finished. Verse 34. For 40 years, one for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to the whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. 
And so the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. That was a lot. How many were tracking? How many took a nap? Numbers chapter 11 through 14 are some of my favorite passages in all of the Old Testament. There's so much great content in these chapters, it would probably take another 243-week series to get through it. Moses sends 12 spies into the land. Two of them come back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. Ten men came back with what the Bible calls a bad report. We read that in verse 32 of chapter 13. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. Now, we have a pretty good understanding of good report versus bad report. But I wanted to point something out here. The Hebrew word for, that's used for the word bad in this verse is deba. And it means this, whispering defamation, and evil report. This isn't just a bad report. This report is evil. I mean, how many of you know there's a difference in bad and evil? Right? I mean, kids do bad things all the time, but it's not, well, some of them might be evil. But, <laughs> but in general, there's not an evil motive, right? They're learning. Sometimes they do bad things. You're like, well, that's a bad choice. That doesn't make them evil. So there's a difference. I also find it interesting that it means whisper. See, God speaks to us in a lot of ways. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that God is always speaking, but we are not always listening. God's presence is always with us, but we're not always aware of his presence. But one of the ways that God speaks to us is by whispering to our hearts and to our minds. Now, Satan, the enemy of our soul, is crafty. He uses counterfeit methods in order to deceive us. So if God speaks in a whisper, why wouldn't Satan also use the whisper as a method of communication? In other words, if God is speaking to us in a whisper and Satan then is trying to deceive us or trying to get us to listen to his voice instead of God's, he doesn't just show up and shout, hey, this is Satan, do this or that. Why? Because that would be way too obvious. He's more subtle than that. This is one of just many reasons why we need the Holy Spirit inside of us so we can discern the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. So deba means whispering, defamation, evil report. Now the root word of deba is a word called dabab or dabab. <laughs> Dabab's better. And it was up dabab. <laughs> It means this, to move gently, to glide, or to glide over. Again, this is how the enemy speaks to us. He doesn't come to us with loud, abrasive, obnoxious language. He lures us with the whisper, with whispers that move gently, with whispers that easily glide. I don't know about you, but when I think about gliding, and I don't know why I think of this, I think about ice skating. Any ice skaters in the room? Like two of us. Well, this is Florida, so it doesn't make sense. <laughs> 
I don't have any scientific or official data to back this up, but I'm guessing that most of us in the room that do ice skate do not glide when we skate. I've tried it. I'm not good at it. I do more tumbling than gliding. But I want you to think about like the Winter Olympics and those skaters just gliding across the ice with little to no resistance. It almost seems effortless and so graceful. And this is how the enemy speaks to us, which is why he's so deceptive. Now, if you study this glide part out of this word, the definition implies something that's called furtive motion. Anybody ever heard of furtive motion? We have more ice skaters than we do if people have heard of furtive motion. Uh, I also had not heard of that, so we're all going to learn something here. When I looked up furtive motion, this is what it means. Done in a quiet and secret way to avoid being noticed. The enemy of our soul is whispering negativity to us, and his words glide over our hearts like an ice skating Olympian. He does it in quiet and secret to avoid being noticed. And if we're not careful, we will fill our lives with negativity. And maybe it sounds kind of weird to some of you to talk about Satan speaking to us and listening to the words that he speaks and that influence and all that. But that's the point. He's speaking all around us and we don't recognize it because he's whispering. His words just glide over our minds. He's using furtive motion to avoid being noticed. Maybe you're wondering what any of this has to do with speaking the breakthrough. And to be honest, when I was typing, I was wondering the same thing myself. (laughs) We're going to get there. We are going to have to revisit this next week. In the past... When I've read through this passage, I considered the report of the spies as the negativity. And it was right. The report was negative. It was bad as described in the verse. And as we've learned, it was actually evil. But God didn't punish the Israelite nation because of the 10 spies with the bad report. God punished the Israelite nation because they embraced the evil report and began to repeat the words that they heard. Are you tracking with me? And that brings me really to the first point of speak the breakthrough. And it's this. What or who are you listening to? There's an old saying that says a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And while this is true, I want to tell you today that a spoonful of sugar also helps the poison go down. Remember furtive motion. Our lives are consumed with negativity and we don't even notice. The enemy is whispering all around us. You may not hear him speak directly to your heart as though you're having a one-on-one conversation, but he is speaking. He speaks through friends and co-workers. He speaks through the movies and the shows that we watch. He speaks through viral videos. He speaks through Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. He speaks through talk radio, Fox News, and CNN. It's full of sugar. And it looks good and it feels good and it tastes good. How could it possibly be bad for me? And the more I listen and the more I watch, the more my worldview is shaped by culture and not by God. Twelve spies, two with a good report and ten with an evil report. And just like ancient Israel, I cannot overcome that kind of deficit in my life. 
For every two positive godly influence in my life, I have ten that are negative. How can, how can I overcome that? The words that we speak are directly related. We're talking about speaking the breakthrough. The words that we speak are directly related to the things that we allow into our lives. Jesus said it this way, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Your grandma said it this way, garbage in, garbage out. And while we don't have time to dig into the consequences for ancient Israel for their negative thinking and speaking, we already know intuitively that negativity is bad for us. Almost every person in the room would agree with that, except for those of you that are overly negative. <laughs> Outside of Scripture, the medical field has proven this over and over again. But many of us are still trapped by negative lies that people have spoken over us, lies that we speak over ourselves, lies that we believe, lies that get reinforced by our own words. And when the ten spies brought the evil report, the people began to repeat the lies. And they began to repeat the evil report. And this is exactly what we do. Many of us are missing our breakthrough simply because we continue to think, believe, and speak negative things over our lives. I love the quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle, that a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. I mean, think about the implications of that. How many times have you... I don't know, I was trying to think of a good example. How many times have you gone into a room thinking something was in there and you were kind of freaked? You turn the lights on and then you... But once you discover, right? But if you continue to believe that, it would affect you. Your nerves, everything is, is affected because you're believing something is true that's not true. God wants us to make breakthrough. But many of us are living a life that's trapped by our own negativity, trapped by lies that we have believed as truth. And when I started preparing this message, this part of the series, I thought, this has been stirring for several, several weeks. Um, I thought that I was going to get through Numbers 13, 14, and possibly go back to Numbers 11, which is, I think, my all-time favorite passage in all the Bible. That's where the children of Israel ask for meat. God gives them meat. And they get so sick that they're throwing up and it's coming out their nose. And it's like a very dramatic. That's my, one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. <laughs> I mean, God literally says when you read it, he says, you want meat? I'll give you meat. You're going to have so much meat, it's going to come out your nose. I mean, that's like, it's, it's just like this interaction between the two. All right, I thought I was going to get through all of that. It's not going to be possible. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start to wrap this up. And I want us to begin to think about the things that we're saying, the words that we speak, the things that we believe about ourselves and others. Those things are directly related to our input, the things we listen to, the things we watch, the people we allow to speak into our lives. The only way to change the things we say it's just change the things that we allow in. Some of the biggest lies that keep us in bondage and away from our breakthrough are lies about ourselves. We talked about that many times. I mean, I know this is kind of a recurring theme and it probably, it's probably never going to go away. 
because it's so vital to our spiritual and emotional health of getting healthy thought patterns to where we can align our thoughts with God's thoughts about ourselves because we develop what's called ungodly beliefs. And if you've been here any time at all, you've heard me reference ungodly beliefs. These are things that we come into alignment with that are contrary to God, God's word, contrary to God's nature, con- sorry, contrary to God's character. We come into alignment with those things. Right? I'm a failure. I'll never be good enough. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad dad. I'm a whatever. Fill in the blank. And it's not just, oh, I have made a mistake. It's just we, we, we own those things as our identity. And many of us, we're stuck. We can't break through because we're living as if all of these lies that people have spoken of us and the lies we continue to say about ourselves are true. So as we start to close here in just a minute, here's what I want to do. I want you to posture your heart to receive some encouragement from the Lord. And I've never really done anything like this before. Um, so if you would, I want you to close your eyes. And I want us to take about 15 to 20 seconds of silence before the Lord. And then I'm going to speak over you words of truth and words of life. You are not controlled by fear. You are not stuck. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to your addictions. You are not a victim. You are not failing. You are not unlikable. You are not unworthy of love. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what someone else did to you. You are not what others say you are. You are not who your unhealthy thoughts say you are. You are not done. You are who God says you are. Because of Christ, you are loved. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are new. You are redeemed. You are free. You are blessed. You are strong. You are mighty. You are chosen. You are empowered. You are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. It's time for us to begin to speak breakthrough. You can open your eyes and look forward. I'm calling us to a negativity fast. And your assignment this week is to take inventory of the words that you speak. And this may take us a few weeks to to get through this because you're gonna have to take inventory of the things you're thinking, the things that you're saying, And you're going to have to be intentional about it. But take inventory. And it'll take you a few days of thinking this way to begin to be like, oh, maybe okay. And you'll begin to realize 
how negative and how much we actually complain. So take inventory of the words that you speak. Be intentional. You may make a note in your, in your phone. You may keep a journal with you. Make note of how often you complain or say something negative about others, your situation, or yourself. We're going to guard our words, speak life, and choose joy. Instead of the gas prices are so high, it's God, I thank you that I have money to put gas in my car in spite of. Instead of the price of eggs are out of control, God, I thank you that I have food on my table. Instead of I hate my job, these people are driving me crazy. Try, God, thank you that I have a job. And while it might not be my dream job, I will work as if I'm working for you. This week I was sweeping my driveway. And my mom keeps telling me I need a blower. And I do. She's right. A blower would make things easier. But I actually enjoy sweeping the driveway. It's in a weird way therapeutic. You know, we were working yesterday with some people helping some folks and I was with Mike and he was saying it's nice to not have to make decisions. Like he's working all week and he's the one. He's calling the shots. And he's like, it's nice to let somebody else say do this to this. It's kind of how I feel when I'm sweeping, right? It's, I don't have to think about it. I mean, I'm thinking about stuff. But I, there's no decision to make. It's just, which way am I going to sweep this stuff off my driveway? And it's, it's just nice. Right? So I'm, I'm there. A blower would make things easier, but I actually enjoy sweeping the, the driveway, especially on these cool mornings. We're out there. The weather's been beautiful. So I'm out here. I have my AirPods in because I don't listen to music on my phone speaker. <laughs> <laughs> for those that are still hurt over that and those that don't know what I'm talking about you can go to last week <laughs> and listen to all the people I offended alright so I got my airpods in and I'm listening and I'm sweeping the driveway so the, the, the boys can come out the driveway is right under a huge oak tree there's just all kinds of stuff the debris and stuff like that so I'm, I'm, I'm sweeping it so they can come out and ride their bikes I was going to put up the bounce house I mean it's spring break we're just kind of doing a staycation just making it as fun as we can for the boys and I wasn't being negative because, again, I was in a good space. I was enjoying what I was doing. But I began to talk about God and I began to think about this really could be a moment of negativity for a lot of people, even myself. But I began to talk to God. And I said, God, there's a lot of debris on this tree that I'm trying to sweep up this driveway. And a blower would make it easier and faster. But I thank you, God, that I have this broom. And I thank you that I have enough strength in my body to use this broom to sweep all this debris from this tree off my driveway so my kids can come outside and enjoy this beautiful weather on spring break. And I know these examples seem like over and over simplification of the process, and it kind of is. But I'm, that's, I'm not making that up. I'm not embellishing that. And that sounds kind of frou-frou, la-la, whatever. You know, then I sat down and had a latte. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what I did. I was just having a moment with the Lord as I swept off the debris from the oak tree. I'm telling you that if we will get control of our mouths, we will experience breakthrough like never before. Will it be easy? <laughs> you already know the answer to that. James, the brother of Jesus, said that our tongues have been set on fire by hell. So will it be easy? No, but I'm asking you to try it for the next seven days to start. Take inventory of your words. We're going to start with seven days and see where it takes us. Negativity fast, starting now. Take inventory of the way you speak. If you find that you complain more 
and you're more negative than you realized, then take inventory of your input. Because maybe, like ancient Israel, you have 10 evil sources to every two of the good reports. So this week is about inventory. I don't know. You know, again, it's taken us all week and still we're kind of like still working it through. I told my mom, I was like, because she's not been feeling well. You can remember her in your prayers. And she's like, I don't think I'm going to go to church tomorrow. I'm not feeling well. And I was like, all right, let me give you the end game of what's happening. I'm calling us to a fast. And we're all eating. She's like, what? And I was like, it's a negativity fast. And then she laughed at me. And I said, I don't appreciate your negativity. <laughs> But it's going to be a process. And give your spouse permission to call you out. It may create some tension in the house. Give your spouse, give those around you permission to say, hey, not in the heat of the moment. The other day we were doing some things, some things a lot of things had gone wrong. I went into Katie and I was like, I feel like, you know, I was just telling her how I felt. And then later we were talking about, she was like, I didn't feel like that was the time to say, yo, you know what I mean? Because like when you're on the edge, you don't need somebody to push you. Let them come back off the edge and then revisit it later. Be like, hey, let's talk about what happened earlier and, and how, how we could do whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't use this as an opportunity just to poke your spouse. Don't, don't poke a sleeping bear. But I'm saying, let's give each other permission. Let's start the dialogue. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Your closest friends, let them speak into your life and say, you know what? You're, you're reliving this moment that you need to let go because it's under the blood. It's under the, it's before the, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus took care of this. Let's, let's, let's move. Let's get out of this. Let's stop the, the 10 spies. Let's, let's, let's quiet the 10 spies and embrace the report of the Lord. Take inventory of what you speak. If you find you complain more and, and you're more negative than you realize, then take inventory of your input and make sure that you don't have 10, a 10 to 2 ratio of what's coming in and going out. Can we pray just for a moment? God, thank you for this. On behalf day. of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, We'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.